the realization of who we are, or accurately, what we are, is the deepest purpose of a human life. Paradoxically, though what we are is the truth in plain sight, most of us fail to realize it, because we are almost constantly distracted by the thoughts and emotions of our mind, and because we cannot know our true nature in a conventional way, but can only be it or become conscious of it in the silent state of the mind. For these reasons, some deeper truths discussed in this video may not be understood by our mind, but they can be sensed, intuited, and experienced when the mind returns to its natural quietude. The importance of realizing what we truly are lies in its liberating power over our suffering. Humans suffer from many forms of unpleasantness. We suffer from our physical pain and disability, and we suffer endlessly from our psychological pain. It's my experience that our psychological suffering stems from our unawareness of what we truly are. If we look closely into our experiencing, we'll inevitably trace the root cause of our psychological suffering to the person called I. All our suffering is from this I and for this I. For instance, we are upset that our car is stolen, our body is sick, and our belief is challenged, but not when the same things happen to strangers. Growing up, we have been instilled the default belief that we are only a separate person who has this limited body-mind. Consequently, we suffer from fearing the annihilation of this person and from desiring and defending the survival and happiness of this person. Therefore, to free ourselves from suffering, we must transcend this personal I. This leads to the first question, who is this person we deem I? When we investigate, we find that this person consists of merely some thoughts and images, but nothing regarding this person is substantial or constant. For example, our name cannot be what we are because it can be changed. Our thoughts and emotions cannot be what we are because they often come and go without our volition. Our habits and beliefs are not what we are because they also change and can be changed. Even the body we call ours mostly functions on its own without our conscious effort. And our body today is actually composed of largely new cells compared to the one several years ago. Moreover, we simply cannot limit ourselves within this body, for we know we cannot exist without our environment, such as the air, sun, water, etc. That indicates we are one with our environment. It strikes us that this so-believed person cannot be pinned down and does not have realistic substantiality. 
This brings forth the most important question: What are we truly? When we shift our attention to our direct experiencing, we see that the only constant in our life is our pure awareness or pure consciousness. Regardless of whether we are happy or angry, and whether we are healthy or sick, we are ever choicelessly aware. We know our awareness is here, prior, in between, and after the appearing and disappearing of thoughts and emotions, and the happening of external life events. It's apparent that the thoughts, emotions. And external life events come and go, but our awareness of them remains unchanging. In other words, our awareness is ever here and never changes. Hence, it makes sense to say that this ever-present pure awareness is our true nature. Further, it occurs to us that if this is true to our own experience. It must be true to the other seven billion people as well. That means, even though what everyone is aware of may be different, the awareness itself is universal. In this regard, it's truer to say that we are the universal awareness that is experiencing certain life aspects through this focal point perceived as my body mind. And through each of the seven billion body minds, also perceived as my body mind, it dawns on us that this universal awareness is all that is. It's our true nature. It's this ever-present moment, and it is life itself. For we simply cannot separate our awareness from anything. These deeper realizations. Hold the key to our freedom from suffering. Let me explain why. First, many of us suffer from our latent fear of death, and a lingering, suffocating feeling of meaninglessness of life at the thought of death. When we know we are the universal awareness, that is experiencing life through billions of vehicles, termed body mind. We know we do not really die when the body ceases to exist. For if our awareness is universal, how can we die? Indeed, if we are quiet and still, we can sense the eternality of our awareness. Also, it's our direct experience that we actually live simultaneously in time and in timeless. In the same way. We cannot have inner without outer. We cannot sense time without being the timeless. In the manifested realm of the body mind, we live with the help of clock time. But in the unmanifested realm of pure awareness, life is timeless. This is supported by the evidence that we can never truly experience time. Whenever we think about the past, we experience it in the present, and our projected future comes ever as the now. In reality, whenever we shift our attention to the present moment, 
we can sense its ever-present nature. If the now is ever-present, then it is timeless. Since we cannot separate our awareness from the now nor from life, we know our awareness is timeless and life is timeless at its essence. Without time, how can there be a beginning and end, and how can anybody possibly die? In addition, the fact that we are choicelessly aware of the transient phenomenal world brings about a deeper sense of eternality. Without being permanent, how can we recognize the transients? And the fact that we cannot pinpoint the beginning of our awareness indicates the ever-present nature of awareness. If our awareness has no beginning and is changeless, how can it change and end? When we know we are beyond this body-mind and become conscious of the eternality of the essence of life, we no longer suffer from the fear of death that otherwise hovers over us throughout our lives. Second, we suffer from the thoughts and emotions identified with our imagined person. If we observe our mind without commenting, we'll see that the thoughts and ensuing emotions arise and then subside rather quickly. They only bother us when our mind identifies them with this constructed person. For example, a thought that our boss is angry does not usually disturb us. But the thought that our boss is angry at us will most likely trigger our anxiety, fear, or anger. When we recognize the illusory nature of this conceptual person and know that we are the universal awareness that is aware of these human thoughts and emotions, we no longer suffer from them. For instance, we really want something but cannot afford it. Suddenly a thought pops up. Why do some people have so much but I have so little? If we believe we are this poor person who has this thought, we may become depressed. But if we know we are the universal awareness that is aware of this connective human thought, and that is experiencing material poverty through this body-mind and the material abundance through some other body-minds, we will be at peace with life. Third, we suffer from the so-believed past and future of the fictitious person. Unknowingly, many of us spend a significant part of our life antagonizing the past and worrying about or striving for the future that never truly exists, seeing clearly the elusive nature of this personalized I. We no longer suffer from the past, because without the person, there can be no history of someone. It hits us that without a personalizing life, the so-termed past is merely cosmic events happening in the ever-present now. Our highly developed mind remembers these events in a linear order and thus creates a sense of time 
and the history of its constructed person. Subsequently, the concept of future is born when our mind anticipates what will happen based on the considered past. We now understand why our beloved dogs and cats seem always to live in the present, because they do not have a complex mind to remember events in a linear order. They do not register time, and thus to them, life never has a past or future, but is ever present. Knowing the timeless nature of the deeper dimension of life, we no longer suffer from our anxiety about the future, nor effort for the future, because we know our future is not out there in time, but is ever here in this timeless moment. It's in what we are and what we do now. We then simply follow our passion, do whatever the present moment requires, and enjoy each moment for the moment itself as life unfolds. Lastly, it's important to understand that even though pure awareness or universal awareness is our true nature. There is nothing wrong with presenting ourselves as a person for practical purpose, and it does not mean this body is not important. This is because life is the totality of form and formless, time and timeless, illusion and reality, and manifested world and existential essence. Without the former. We cannot realize the latter. Without realizing the latter, we will suffer from the former. For instance, without the body mind and the considered person, we cannot awaken to our true nature, the pure awareness, for there is nothing to awaken from. Without being aware of our non-personal, universal awareness, we will suffer from the illusion. Of our imagined person, and without being conscious of the eternality of our awareness, we will suffer from the transient nature of the body mind. If you like this video, please subscribe and give a thumbs up, so that it will be brought to more viewers. Thanks for watching. Bye for now.